podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Roth, I'm back in the chair, and we've got no City game to look back on this week. Uh, there's the small matter of Liverpool at home, of course, on Saturday in the Premier League. Early kickoff, of course, 12.30. So I've asked my three guests to come up with the topics that they would like to discuss this week. Two reasonably intelligent ones from two of my guests and the other one from David Blakeney. Uh, welcome to David Blakeney, first of all. Hi, David. Welcome. Thank you, Nigel. Always a pleasure. Welcome to Steve Cox. Hi, Steve. Hello, Nigel. And welcome to Tony Newgrosh. Hi, Tony. Hello, sir. Listen, let, let's start with these interesting topics, what you have come up with. David Blakeney, um, you have gone for the advantages of still being in Europe when Arsenal are out, uh, and is kind of linked to that, is game time more advantageous than training time? So great question, Dave. Um, you got a view yourself, first of all? How do you see it? Yeah, well, I used to think that, oh, less games is better, you have more rest. But I'm not, I think it was last January, we played something like eight games instead of what we normally play 12 in January or 11 or something. And I'm sure, if I can stand to be corrected, our form was not that good. And I don't, it could have even been this January as well, where I think if, if some, I don't know the full statistics, but if you look at the statistics, my gut feeling tells me sometimes, if you have really hard games, actually, if you've got a decent enough squad, it might be an advantage because you are constantly, you are a bit more match fit as opposed to rested and it keeps you on your toes a bit. And maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe playing Bayern Munich is a good thing because it keeps that momentum going. So in my opinion, maybe it's a bit better now. It's but what, what about tired? What about tired? We talk a lot about players because of the intensity and the the pace the games played at nowadays. So they they get tired and they they can't play twice a week every week continuously. Is what we're always being told. It's a disadvantage. Yeah. People would say. But there is there will be a bit of game management there, won't they? We will have to have some game management. Um, but as long as we stay injury free, then we've got a chance. I know a man will know. I know a man who'll have the answer, and that's Steve Cox. He knows everything to Steve Cox. He's just one of those people. You must well, have a view, Steve. I'm sure you have a view on most things. I, I do. I, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because I, I cannot stand the international breaks that we get. And, and I was looking at how we've been playing in the fixtures running up to the international breaks. And just as we're starting to get a bit of momentum again, a little bit of rhythm, and we're starting starting to actually play quite well, we end up sending these players off on international breaks where they get 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Some of them get full games here. Some don't get full games. And it always ruins that momentum for me. So I, I kind of buy into what David's saying a bit, actually, in, in that if, if you've got the depth of squad to sustain it, and we probably have, as long as we don't get too many bad injuries then actually that rhythm comes from playing games. Um, as long as you get a reasonable amount of rest from one game to the next, then I can't see what harm it does. I guess the advantage that Arsenal might say that they have then by not being in Europe is, of course, they were playing Thursday evenings, which kind of was shortening their recovery time to the weekend. And that might possibly give them a slight advantage from that. I, I can't see what it is, though. Um 
No, I, I, I think on the whole, I agree with what David's saying. I think the momentum is actually better than than keep breaking breaking things up. So, and I hate international breaks, as I've said. It's just yeah, I think, I, think I think we're all I think I think we're all the same on the international break piece. So we've got two who think it's an advantage there, Tony. We're playing regularly in Europe, building that momentum, scoring lots of goals. Certainly, if the last game was anything to go by, uh, you, you you agree with that view? Sadly, not. I'm afraid. Um, I agree. Momentum is very, very important. But I think if we look back to, for example, the uh, Atletico Madrid Champions League games a couple of years ago, it cost us an FA Cup semi-final because we barely had a fit eleven to put on the pitch four days later. I think it's not just the playing; it's also the travelling to the fair as well. And I know the clubs spend a fortune and have been criticised for flying players to these away games to try and minimise the disruption. But I think it does take its toll. We don't have the biggest squad in the world. We've now got a couple more injuries to contend with, which is unfortunately part of the course. So I think Arsenal will be quite delighted to be out of uh, the Europa League. It's a Mickey Mouse competition. They went out on penalties, which is a bit of a face favour as well. And I think they will just focus on trying to win every game and then the league is there. So but we'll be there or thereabouts. But no, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a, it's an advantage having Champions League games when it, it comes to trying to win the league. And just picking up on that, I mean, they are clearly firm favourites, aren't they, Arsenal? I know we've talked about this over the last few weeks. It's, uh, you know, they've now, yeah, we've got a game in hand, but they've got points in the bag. We've really got to beat them and then not really lose again, have we, really? Because you can't see them losing many, can you, Tony, I don't think? Listen, yeah. <laughs> I hate to mention his name, but Fergie was right. Whoever wins the league deserves it. And they have been remarkably consistent. They've not blown me away with performances the vast majority of the time um, but they've, they've learned how to get over the line and uh, you know when we were all there at the Emirates a few weeks ago and we played them off the park and we were level on points I thought we would disappear and over the horizon all of a sudden they're eight points ahead it's a must-win game but I think one of these was it Grace note produced some statistics albeit before I think they won their last game to go eight points clear they were 53 point percentage chance of winning the league they had us down at 47 so we're still pretty nip and tuck so look i'm not giving up on the league yet but yeah i think they are playing probably deservedly so yeah, I don't think anybody's given up just yet. I think that would be foolish, but but I'm just really talking. Oh, Steve has given up already. Um, no, no, time. no, I've not given up at all, actually. I was thinking. Oh, you're right, okay, good. I, thought that, I thought that's what that signal was. No, so, Steve. I was thinking about this at the weekend, and, and, and I think that <laughs> they've got to play Liverpool and us away, and we've got a game in hand. There are only, at the moment, eight points in front. I take Tony's point. We have to keep winning games. Absolutely. That's the only way we would win the championship. But there's still a big couple of potential banana skins there for Arsenal. And our game in hand is home against West Ham. So I don't see that we're kind of in a bad position, to be perfectly honest with you. We're still relatively close. That's why I think it will certainly, I think the legal finish, if they do win it, will be within a point or two of them. Just the way we're playing this season, David, and, and the kind of the way the season's gone, and we've had some really strange results where we haven't won against teams in the bottom half, in fact, in, indeed in the relegation zone now, um, I just can't see us going on that run that we have in the past. I mean, I'd love us to do it, uh, and you made a really good point about the momentum that we built up, and now we've had the international break that's got in the way, so maybe it's less likely. But I just can't see us going on that sort of run again. We haven't had that sort of consistency this season. It doesn't give me the confidence that we're going to do that. I mean, obviously, I'd love us to do it, but I can't see it happening. Can you? You know, my fear is not actually the consistency. 
it's the rub of the green is going Arsenal's way this year and it ain't going our way. And if you ask anyone to reel off at least five top games they've had when the opponents had their best player not playing, like when they played United and Casemiro got uh, banned for that one, and then they played Leicester and, and the first game Madison doesn't play, they only win when they've got Madison in the team. There was a number of times that's happened. They're getting goals in the last minute or someone's back, the goalkeeper's back. That's the sort of look we were getting on rubber the green we were getting sometimes when we needed to win on that run. We're the other way around now. We're just not getting it. And then suddenly we come to the time when Foden has hit his best form all season. He gets appendicitis. Normally happens to you when you're a kid. <laughs> not that age. And we've got Haaland who might be out as well. Two Our two best players who've been absolutely brilliant. And between them scored about 10 goals in about two games. And they could be out for Saturday. That is a sort of rubber the green I'm saying. We're getting it all the opposite way to what they're getting. That's what worries me. All right. Let's uh, Tony, let's let's come to your question then. Um and it's sort of a slightly different question because we've been focusing on the league and the conversation we've just been having, but you're talking about the priorities for the rest of the season. So how do you see it? You kick off for us and tell us how you see it then. I'm presumably, if I could, maybe I can let me answer it for you and make it easy. We'd win every game and we're, win every competition we're left in. I mean, is it, it's not that difficult, is it? Isn't that what Pep, how Pep sees it? Surely. In an ideal world, I, I think the thought or the frustration behind that question was just the way we've lost so many FA Cup semi-finals in previous years. I think after the Atletico and Madrid game, uh, it was fully understandable why we barely had a team out there, but we couldn't quite decide whether to stick or twist it seemed in the FA Cup in previous years. I think we've won it what twice in this era. We've had a very a number of near misses and I think I personally would love us to win that again. So I hope we do put out a full strength team against Sheffield United or a team that will do do justice against Sheffield United. One would hope that we should be should be all right even with a slightly weakened team there. Uh that aside our old Nuggets Champions League or League, well, I think we'll be a bit wiser after Saturday, to be honest. If we don't win that game, then I think we should definitely start prioritising the Champions League. Because I think, come on, as much as some of us hate to admit it, that's the one I think we would all love to win and get the monkey off our back. And good luck to Arsenal if they win it. At least we'll have the Spurs fans to laugh at. So it is difficult. It is a bit of a balancing act. Yes, I'd love us to win every game and do the treble. But... Yeah, as I say, maybe maybe after Saturday we'll be a bit wiser. And do you think with the kind of expectation uh, and the anticipation at City, Steve, that that's the way the board and, and Pep see things? You know, what are we going to prioritise? Do you not think there's a genuine desire to go out there and say, you know, we can we can do a treble here, uh, a, a really exciting, you know, the three biggies, if you like. You, know, you can drop the, the Man City Cup or some people call it the Carabao Cup or whatever, call it what you like, but but that's the least important one. But if we won those other three, and here's us, we've been quite negative. We've, I, I'm thinking back on the number of podcasts that we've done, there's been a negative vein this year because we haven't been quite firing on all cylinders. But actually, you imagine we do go on that run and Arsenal do drop a couple of points, yeah? And we overtake them and we do actually get that monkey off our back and we win the FA Cup again because we are in the semi-final against no disrespect, as they famously say, to Sheffield United. And we do win all three. It could be our best season ever. We've become 
this year more successful in knockout games than we are sometimes in the league. And I think that's because in the league, there are teams that set out not to lose against us first and foremost, and hopefully to try and grab a goal and beat us. That seems to be the approach in many cases in the league now. Whereas actually in a knockout cup, you can't for one minute expect that we'll get to the semi-final against Sheffield United at Wembley and they won't actually come out and try and attack us. And if we actually get a goal, they're absolutely going to have to come out and attack us because, you, you know, at the end of that game, you don't win, you're out. That's the that end of. And it's the same in the um, Champions League now. We're kind of at that point where it, it, it's a kind of hit or bust kind of moment. And I, I think that actually seems to be suiting us better this year than the league games where people are being more pragmatic and saying, well, what we don't want to do is drop three points against City. Let's start off where we get a draw out of it. And if we can get a win out of it, great. And I think that's that's almost like that momentum has changed. In the past, I've always been someone who sat here and I've always said that we have to win the league first and foremost. That, for me, was the biggest momentum thing that we've had in the last 10 years or so. We really need to go all out to win the league. This year, I'm looking at it fairly pragmatically, and whilst I believe we're still in with a pretty good chance, I think our better opportunities are probably in, in, in the Champions League and the FA Cup. And in terms of priorities, just picking up on that, do, do you think that is how the club and how the senior leadership team and the management see it as a priority? And, and prioritising one over the other? It's, it, the Champions League is the one thing that Pep has not won with City yet. It's the one thing that the club said years ago they really wanted to win. So it wouldn't surprise me if behind the scenes there would be more emphasis on that than there would on the league. And they're a pragmatic bunch as well, to be honest with you. David, where do you sit on this one? I think I agree with Steve. I think Harlan sort of said, Said it really, didn't he, the other day. He brought in to win the Champions League, not to win the league. So uh, probably in his mind, he wants to play. And if he's going to have game time, he'd rather miss a Liverpool game and be fit for the uh, the Bayern game and things like that. So, um, you know, funny enough, the, the only spanner in, in the works of the Bayern game is that they've got that nasty manager who seems to like beating us in Champions League, who suddenly knows how to play is a bit better than what they would have had. That was the only thing that frustrated me at the weekend. That's what I talked about, the rub of the green. <laughs> of all people, they get him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'm sure that's what they're going to do. If they lose to Liverpool, they'll certainly do that. If they beat Liverpool, maybe he'll, he'll sort of jog a little bit and try and keep our hand in both. I think Sheffield United, he'll put a few other players in there, won't he? Willie, because someone's just said that someone else has just said we need our strongest team, don't we? Because we, you can't miss well, out in a, in a semi-final. He, he won't play his full strength side. You're saying he's going to play well, some kids, is he? I think we've got no, not the kids, but I think he's going to rotate it a bit. He, that's a game to rotate it for, isn't it? Second string, second string side. No, not second string. A, a mixture, a mixture. Right. Also, they could be without Tommy Doyle, and they might be without um, McTee as well. Is it McAtee? Yeah, McAtee. McAtee. Here to help, David. Here to help. Don't worry. McAtee. He's not a City player. I mean, why would you know someone who doesn't play for City? It's different, different club. Different club. <laughs> but I think they won't be allowed. They're not allowed to play. So. I don't think they are. I think no. that's the deal, unfortunately, but, for them. It's a shame. Yeah, it's good for us. Absolutely. Um, let's let's move on then. Let's uh, let's come to uh, Steve Cox then. 
A slightly different question. You're looking forward a bit, Steve, I think, to kind of close season, I guess. Lots of rumours. Bernardo, uh, it's, it's no secret that he's lots of talk about him leaving the club. Gundogan also. And and you're talking about strengthening the midfield and, and, and maybe the question marks of who might fill that berth. Is that where you're going with your question? Yeah, I mean, I think the more time goes on, Bernardo's been linked with a move away from the club over the last two summers, and he's not made a secret of the fact that he probably would like to go back to sort of Spain and that kind of area, so I, I can kind of understand that. It's recent that, um, you know, more recent that Gundogan is coming up to the end of his contract and he hasn't signed a new contract yet, and that's still kind of up in the air, and there's talk rumours of Barcelona have arisen over the last few days. Um, Phillips doesn't really seem to have settled in this season. I don't know whether we'll do our normal and give him another another season of opportunity. And so our real sort of stalwarts that look like they're still going to be around, uh, Rodri, uh, Foden are the two key ones, I guess. Um, what do we do to sort of add to that? Um, Bellingham apparently is available, but there's so many other clubs interested in him. Do we really think that's a realistic possibility? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know where his heart is or whether he's, you know, someone's going to come up with a magnificent offer like Chelsea or Liverpool and offer to offer him the earth. I mean, Liverpool would certainly seem more desperate to replace their midfield than we are. So what are we actually in the market for? Um, and, you know, Bernardo Silvers don't come to a penny. They, they're, they're sort of fairly rare and few and far between. Gundogan is someone who... I think when he plays, seems to give us a bit of rhythm, a bit like David Silva used to. He, he kind of seems to always be there or thereabouts. So I think that would be a big loss if we were to lose those two players. Um, why why would you not be floor. so good? It sounds like you're not that keen on Bellingham, Steve. I mean, lots of people well, are saying no, I mean, he's, he's performing brilliantly for England. I'm keen on Bellingham. I like Bellingham. I'm just not 100% certain that we'll land him. I think that's the thing. It's kind of it'd be, be a big assumption to assume that he, that he wants to come to City. Um, you know, I would have thought that that would be the place if, he, if he's going to make a bit of success out of it. But, you know, United just in the throes of selling themselves, Liverpool just in the throes of trying to sell themselves. If they get new owners, there's nothing to say that they won't start tracking some money about, which would that would sort of hurt a little bit, to be perfectly honest with you, given the amount of rhetoric they've thrown back at us over the years. But uh, yeah, you know, they could, they could, uh, it will certainly be all right if it's them spending money, of course. I mean, they're allowed to, aren't they? They've earned it. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise, would it, David, if, if those two at least um, departed and a great loss. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to that, if I, if I may, once we've heard from both you and Tony on this. But your thoughts about replacement? Is Bellingham sort of top of your shopping list? Or you got other thoughts? Do you think he might come to City? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think we've obviously got as good a chance as anyone. At the end of the day, we've got certain players in our team who are a big pull for him to come to. For him to play alongside De Bruyne, to play with Haaland, he's got a relationship with Haaland, happens playing under Pep. There's a lot of good positive things there that could entice him. He will be guaranteed a place, and Pep will make that clear. Um, he will be one of the few players who will buy, I think, could fit in straight away. Because quite often players come, it takes them a season or two to get used to it. He would probably fit in straight away, almost like Holland has. So, yeah, he's a big one. I think we've, we've got as good a chance as anyone. Um, and Chelsea got, obviously have to be slightly careful in what they spend now because they are going to be sort of in breach if they're not careful, even with 15-year contracts to give the players. Um, I, for me, 
Obviously, Foden's going to play a more central role, so he will fill one of the gaps, won't he? Uh, and they're probably that's, I think, how he's going to really make his mark, Foden, I think, going forward once they leave. But yeah, it will be a loss, but we, we've got to get over it. United used to do it all the time, didn't they? They used to lose the best players and they would always come out of it spanning roses. So, whoever. Yeah, not, yeah we're, we're not talking about that. Um, we never talk about them, so it's not allowed. Sorry, David. You, you <laughs> broke, broke them one of my uh, golden rules there, but we'll, we'll move on quickly. Tony, your thoughts then about uh, uh, about the, the loss, potential loss. I mean, they're not gone yet, to be fair. We shouldn't be, maybe we shouldn't be, maybe they're both. Could Gundo could extend his contract and Bernardo may stay again? Who knows? But we've kind of just this is Steve's question here that if they do go, your your thoughts on on filling those gaps if it happens? Yeah, I'd be very sorry to see them both go. I think they've been a huge credit to the club on and off the pitch, and we'll see, we'll see. As you say, I think the only other player, well, two other players I mentioned. One is is Madison. He's apparently looking for a move, and I think he could be a, a good acquisition. I don't think he costs too much. He's got an eye for a goal. And could fit in very well. So that's one possibility. As far as Calvin Phillips goes, yeah, it's not really worked out for him. Uh, Rice is likely to be available this summer. Whether he'd be prepared to come to City and be second fiddle to Rodri, I don't know. But he would certainly, I suspect, be an improvement, an upgrade on, on Calvin, who, for whatever reason, hasn't quite worked out for. So, yeah, a couple of other names to throw into the mix there. I wouldn't be surprised if we made a big big move for Bellingham. I think that could be the sort of modus operandi going forward in the same way we signed Grealish. We go for one marquee signing every summer. If he came, maybe Madison. Yeah, that would that would do me quite nicely. Happy Christmas. Can I just pick up on sort of Gundogan actually for for a second? Uh, he is coming to the end of his career. Just to remind everybody, because he was Pep's first signing, of course. Um, and hasn't quite got to that legendary status. I mean, there are three statues outside the Etihad. Um, you know, David Silva, Sergio Aguero and Vincent Company. But there are, there are kind of almost like a level just below that where you could construct an argument, really, and I'm, I'm, I've got sort of three or four names here, you know, whether it's Yaya Torre, my favourite, Fernandinho, Pablo Zabaleta, um, and, and arguably Gundogan as well. I mean, he's kind of in that group, isn't he, of kind of like deputy... Deputy statue, you know, deputy legend, assistant legend, whatever you want to call him. But he's, 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 you know, some people didn't didn't score a he scored a reasonably important goal, didn't he, as well recently as well against Aston Villa. I seem to remember. You know, Guerrero got a statue for his. So, so just your thoughts on Gundogan. I say we're we're talking about him as if he's gone already, but let's just speculate and assume that thinking of him coming to the end of his contract, all the signs are that it probably is going to be his final season. Just your thoughts on him, reflecting on his his amazing contribution he's made throughout the whole of Pep's reign, of course. David, you, you kick off first on your thoughts on, on Gundogan and the impact he's Gundogan. had on him as a player. I, I, I love Gundogan. I think he's great. I, um, he's had some great seasons with us. He's been there from the beginning with Pep, his first signing. And he's one of my favourite players. And I think, you know, the two goals against Villa will be legendary as much as anyone else's uh, from last season. So, yeah, big fan of his. He's one, actually, I, I really want to keep him. Tony? I know Silver will be a oh, miss. Sorry. I know Silver's going to be a big miss as well, but... I'm happy. I, I think maybe Foden can take that place of, of Silver, and but Gundo, not so much. All right, Tony, your thoughts on Gundogan? Yeah, as I say, I think he's been an absolute 
credit to the club. And, you know, if I could perhaps just highlight one thing he did off the pitch, which was to auction himself off for an afternoon. And this wasn't his way of sort of holding himself out to be so important. But I think he was highlighting, you know, he was prepared to give his time. It's very easy for these footballers just to throw money at charity. He was prepared to give his time. And I think that speaks volumes for him. Look, I think his influence on the club in the dressing room, I think he's one of the, the quiet leaders there. I remember being interviewed after the Villa game. I mean, how humble was the guy? No complaints about being sub, no storming off down the tunnel. He came on and he turned that game around for us. And as you say, Nigel, it's a fair point. He is sort of first first legend once removed almost with, with Zabba and Dino and Torre as well. So I'd be delighted if he stayed. He's had quite a bit of game time of late as well, which might, I think, influence his decision. If he goes, he goes with my very, very best wishes. Steve, I know you're a... You're a fan too. Yeah, I think he's he's one of the players that's the heartbeat of the club, and his level of consistency has never been questioned. I rarely, I cannot remember a Gundogan bad game. Gundogan always gives you seven or eight out of ten. That's it. He's very very consistent. He's one of the few players that Guardiola has said he will he will be a manager one day because he's got the tactical understanding, he's got the off field ability with coaching. Apparently, he's been coaching the under seventeens off the, off the pitch as well. Um, he's a genuinely nice guy. It, he will be sorely missed because I think he is one of those players that takes control, takes charge, and and he does get the team going at the right rhythm. And, and uh, you know, he's always missed when he's not on the pitch, to be honest with you. Um, great player, great acquisition at the time, and, and he's been invaluable for us. And hopefully, you know, he, he stays. But if he goes, it, like I say, it'll be with my best wishes. Um, just before we move on to the Liverpool game, just a couple of other bits of news. We did touch on the Foden situation. Obviously, acute appendicitis had a had an operation, I think, in London before returning to Manchester to recoup. People are saying, I think, four weeks is what I'm hearing. I guess it's all done keyhole surgery now. Normally, that sort of thing would be out for the rest of the season. I think sort of today, fit young athlete and maybe done keyhole, he should be okay. It's a big loss, isn't it, Steve, that, I think, for us over the next, uh, this running that we've got coming up? Yeah, we could certainly use him. Um, he, he's another player that was just hitting the ground running. You know, he, he'd actually not been on his best form for most of the season. He's just started to hit his form in the last month or so. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a shame that this has happened to him now. But hopefully he recovers quickly um, and his fitness comes back. Um, and we get him back on the pitch as soon as possible. Because he had been out a bit, David, hadn't he, of course, and uh, hadn't played many games, apparently had, had had an injury, um, and then came back and, and really proved his worth and has been uh, outstanding in the few games he's been back, of course. Well, his last three games, four games, have been amazing. And it's, you know what's really frustrating is some of his best games have been against Liverpool. He normally plays really well against Liverpool, that's my frustration. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Because that he would have given them a bit of a hard time on on, on that left hand side. So yeah. And Trent's probably confidence isn't right there at the moment. So it was a perfect game putting phone against Trent. And that ain't gonna happen. So yeah, bit of a gusset. Sadly not. A quick word on Foden. Uh 
Tony, and then you can talk about our player of the month, uh, who surprisingly, um, I'm gobsmacked, he only scored nine goals in four games, but having won the award in August and September, he's also won it in March, a certain Erling Haaland is uh, City's uh, player of the month. Um, but do your thoughts on Foden first, and you can kick off on Haaland. I, we can't can't not talk about him, can we, this week? He needs a mention as well. So Foden quickly, and then your thoughts on our player of the month. Okay, not much more you can say about Foden. It's a shame. I think the one solace we can take is this isn't the sort of injury that will have any long-term impact on him. So when he's back, he'll be back properly. So we wish him well, hopefully less than four weeks. I think at the moment, we're well covered in midfield. So, listen, it happens, unfortunately, to the to the best teams and the best players. They they disappear off occasionally. So, anyway, we wish him well. But as for Erling, a bit of a start. How many goals is it? I've lost count. Was it nine in two games? Nine in four games, and that's up to uh, in August. Yeah, in March. Sorry, yeah, and then that's forty-two for the season. I think, isn't it? He's up to the record-breaking forty-two goals. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I I think the important thing is we now seem to be learning how to play to his strengths, which augurs very well for the rest of the season. And you know, I've seen a lot more attempts to play him in behind. You know, he'll, he'll always get goals. Will he be fit for, for yeah, it's Saturday lunchtime, isn't it? Touch and go, I think, at the moment is, is, is what we're all hearing. And I suspect we won't know until the team is announced on Saturday. So, you know, we've been debating all season whether we're a better team with or without him. We might well find out on Saturday. I personally hope he plays and I hope we stuff the scouts because we owe them one. But um, bring it on. Your thoughts on Harland, Dave? You've not been on for a couple of weeks. Your your opportunity to wax lyrical. Well, <laughs> when you watch him and some of the... I mean, we've seen all variations of how he plays in those last two games. So he scored eight goals in 120 minutes. That must be unprecedented in game time-wise. But when you look at some of that, like the Burnley game, how he got his foot to those first two goals, I don't know. And then you see he's absolutely you see so many things in him and you go, Oh my god, he's acceleration, the way he gets to the ball, the way he anticipates, he's always in the right position. Everything he seems to do, you go, Oh my god, I didn't know he was that good at that. And then you seem that good at that. And every single facet you're looking at now, even when he holds a ball and when he moves past players, and when he crosses a ball, oh my god. Some of those crosses were unbelievable in the last couple of games. Um, one particular, oh my god! And you, we're seeing so much of him now. As Alan Shearer said, if you built a centre four today, you would build it like that. And I think that's it, isn't it? Incredible. As an ex-goalkeeper, Steve, you, 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 how, you, how do you defend against something like this? Impossible, isn't it? I'm sure you as a. You <laughs> Yeah, you 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 can't defend against that. Um, he is an incredible striker that happens to be in the right place at the right time. Um, David was saying about the, the goals against Burnley. The third goal that he scored for his hat trick, the ball came to him off the post, and he barely hit it. He didn't really get a lot of his power behind it, but the ball flew into the back of the net with you know very little, very little backswing. You know, a bit like a somebody hitting a, with a cricket bat playing a forward stroke and it just flies to the boundary that 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 kind of was how it felt to me yeah? he's he is like the blueprint for a striker <laughs> nigel's pointing at the wall yeah <laughs> shots of him 
it's all about I, the timing. I just think he's, 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 an un, he's an unbelievable player. He really is an unbelievable player. And I think he's adjusted more to us as much as we've adjusted more to him. Um, and he just seems to be finding himself in the right place at the right time. But that he knows what to do. He knows how to score. Um, we haven't had that skill since um, Aguero sort of moved on a couple of years ago. So it, it's really nice to have that back. Let's look forward to the weekend then. Look, we've we've touched on it a bit. Um, David, we uh, entertain the Red Scousers at the Etihad. Someone said we owe them one. Uh, big big game this. Yeah. Big game. Always is against them, but particularly in the circumstance of what we talked about earlier with the run in for the Premier League. Not a great season for them. Klopp under a bit of pressure. But it's a must win, isn't it? It is a must win. Um, we're capable. We normally have better form against them at home than we do away. Um, they've been very inconsistent, haven't they? Um, so it's do or die this game, really. We have to win it, we have a chance to win, and we've just got to exploit them. So, um, it would be very nice to get that one out, get that one out of the way. <laughs> in terms of lineup, Tony, in terms of tactics, you know, we've talked the fact, talked about the fact that there's going to be, have to be some rotation. We've got so many big games coming up. Uh, we, you, we've talked about the couple of injuries that we, we've got or potentially got. Any thoughts on on the potential lineup, the way we might line up against them, the lessons that we've learned from previous seasons? It's difficult, isn't it? Um, still not quite sure what our best back four is at the moment. I think I've been delighted to see Diaz back and he's been a, a proper leader. Um, I, I, I love Laporte. I'm sorry he's not been playing, although I understand the reasons why. I think a lot depends, of course, of course, on whether Haaland is fit enough. Um, if not, I suppose Alvarez comes in. Grealish seems to be have nailed down his place for now. Um, so always, always you're going to see, I think, a, a fairly typical midfield, aren't you? The City, he doesn't tend to rotate that much. So Akanji seems to have the other centre-half jersey. I would always play Walker. We have to play Walker against. I mean, Liverpool's only threat is on on the break, really, and they are great going forward, just pretty average at the back. So Walker has to play. So the team, I suspect, will largely pick itself. I suspect we'll see... um, the usual midfield and, and forwards up there. I hope all the players we've mentioned tonight uh, get a game. Be it Bernardo, Gundogan. Um, we've got quite a useful right-footed midfielder who plays for Belgium, who I suspect will also play as well. Um, so bring on KDB. Uh, be the usual lineup. I suspect it's just about who plays left back, isn't it? Who plays left back, Steve? Um, hmm. That's a very that's a very good question. Probably Ake, I think. <clears throat> he's shown himself more than capable in recent weeks, and he's probably more solid defensively than our other options at left back. Um, so I think, with a, a little bit of caution towards uh, the Salah issue, um, I would have thought probably Ake. And your predictions then? Let's go go round predictions then for the Liverpool tie twelve thirty. I'll say on Saturday afternoon at the Etihad, Manchester City Liverpool. Steve Cox, score prediction, please. Three one City. David Blakeney. Two all. Tony Newgrosh. Well, it won't be nil nil. That's that's about it. You never know with Liverpool. They've, they've stuck a certain team from the other half of Stratford. 7-0 and I hate to mention it I really do but um, 
All right, with this is a must win, and I am going to go for 2 0 to City. Amazing. Thank you to my three guests, to Steve Cox, to David Blakeney, and to Tony Newgrosh. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.